0: We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. I want to preach a sermon to you on the topic of peace. As we move into the second Sunday of Advent, we're going to be talking about peace. At the end of the service, after the sermon, we're not going to have a final song together. What we're going to do after the sermon is we're going to stand up and we're going to declare some things together through a responsive reading. And then after that responsive reading, we'll be dismissed. But at that time... That doesn't mean that the opportunity to respond is over. In fact, that is your opportunity to respond. So after we do the responsive reading and you're dismissed, we want you, to, if you need prayer, if you have questions about faith, if, if you need peace in your own life, we're gonna be here at the front, available to pray with you. You may wanna find somebody else around to pray with, whatever that looks like. We just know that that's coming at the end of the, end of the service. A couple of ways to get connected, uh, as you're thinking about being here at Emmaus, if you're a member or maybe you're just a guest with us this morning, I know several of you have signed up for the lunch that's immediately after the the service and so that's just right around the corner if you've signed up for that lunch we'd love for you to come and be a part of that tonight at five o'clock now at Emmaus you guys know we don't have very many business meetings all right so tonight though is our end of the year business meeting and I would encourage you if you're a part of Emmaus come back at five five o'clock tonight because I'm gonna be sharing our state of the church address about where we are and where God's leading us in in the days ahead and we'll make that available to you this week as well, but we want you to come back and and be a part of that at five o'clock. There's some great Christmas opportunities coming up and I'll tell you some more about those. Also, men, your ski trip isn't until January, but, but the sign up is coming up this week and we need you to sign up for that ski trip and so, We wanted you to know that if you're looking in 2023 to hit your deductible early in the year, sign up for that ski trip. That is a great opportunity to get a head start in your 2023 deductible. It's also a really great way to meet some guys. Even if you're not interested in snow skiing, you just need to get away for a few days, go hang out with some other men, be encouraged in your faith, have time together. Guys, this is a great opportunity, so if you have questions about that, check the website, reach out, we want you to to know about that. All right, let's get started. Talking about peace, Philippians chapter four, let's read verses four through nine. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together as we get started. Father, we pray that in light of everything that we have sung about this morning, the hope that we have, the fellowship that's happened before and after the service is going to happen. God, we come together knowing that in you we find peace. And God, I pray if there's anyone who's come into the room and they are in desperate need of peace, peace in their home, peace in their own heart, their own mind, God, I pray that you would use your word this morning to speak to us a word of hope and a word of peace. And we remember that all of that is found in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question. What would you do with a billion dollars? Now, I hope you would tithe, that'd be a good start. (laughs) Uh, You could start right there. But uh, what what would you do with a billion dollars? Well, one option is you might host a conference and ask the author, Daniel Rushkoff to come, Douglas Rushkoff to come and speak at your conference. So several years ago, Douglas Rushkoff, who's an author and thinker in, in the US, was invited to come and speak at this conference and he showed up to the conference and there were five people at the entire conference. He walks into this room and there are five billionaires in this room who have put on this conference and invited him to come and speak to them and they want to learn from him how they're going to survive the event that is coming in the world. And what they mean by the event is what they see as the coming apocalypse in the world. Financial, political, military, they don't know but they feel like something big is coming And these billionaires want to learn from this guy about how to survive through whatever is coming in the world. And so he took the results of that conference, and he wrote a book called Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. Think about the world in which we live, that some of the wealthiest people in the history of the world have no peace, no hope, no idea about how they're going to face the future. They're just looking for a way to escape and a way to survive the Institute for Economics and Peace puts out a global peace index every year. So they take these different factors about the economy and the military and politics, and they put together this global peace index. And it won't surprise you that every year that global peace index continues to to go down. Now, unless you're a Miss United States pageant candidate from Rhode Island or New Jersey, world peace may not be a big deal to you. But what we do worry about, thanks, some of you got that. Some of you really appreciate that. I I worked really hard on that. Uh, We can worry about world peace. We can worry about world peace. But you know where we really struggle with peace? In our own homes, in our marriages, with our kids, in our hearts, in our minds. People are hurting. People are desperate for peace in our world. And here's the hard thing about peace. Someone could look at your home or they could look at your life and you're really good about looking like it's all under control, looking like it's all okay. But if they got behind closed doors or or they got under the surface to what's going on in your mind and your heart, they would realize there's no peace there. We're desperate for peace, but we just don't know where to turn and find it. And so this morning, we're trying to look at God's word and say, where is your gift of peace, Lord? How, how do you give us that peace? And I wanna remind you that peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace does not mean all the bad things in your life go away. Peace means in the midst of the difficulty that you're facing, God brings stability and harmony and rest and hope right into the middle of that difficulty you're facing. And so this morning, we're trying to say, where do we find peace? And I want to give you three points of peace from God's Word. We're going to look at this framework. And this framework is built around the ideas of up, in, and out. And unfortunately, the word, our actions, is supposed to be under hands. So in your mind, I didn't realize my spacing got messed up, but slide actions underneath hands, and it it all works out. Our heart, our head, and our hands. What we feel, what we think about, and what we do. Peace is found in each of those areas, and when each of those areas is brought together, God brings peace into our lives. In a church, there are people who love the emotions. They, they love the music. Like you get excited and say, why do we only sing a couple of songs? I want to sing more songs. There are other people who they love the head. Like, they love to learn, and they tell me, Owen, hey, you could, man, you could just preach 50, 55 minutes. I'm like, ah, keep going. And other people are like, oh, please, no. Please don't do that. There are people that love the head. They love to learn. They love the intelligence side of it. There are other people who your approach to church and Christianity is, guys, we've got to get out here, out of this room, because there's somebody out there that needs food. There's somebody out there that needs help. Like, let's go put our, our faith into action. Some people are heart. Some people are head, some people are hands, and yet the reality is every one of us has to bring those things together. And when we do, God begins to bring peace into our lives. And so what I want to do is show you from Philippians chapter four how God brings peace in your heart, how God brings peace in your head, and how God brings peace to your hands, to what you do. Philippians chapter four, verse four. It says there, rejoice in the Lord always again i will say rejoice now remember paul is writing the book of philippians while he's in prison so here he is in this difficult environment and we know from the book of acts what does paul and his friend silas do when they go to prison what what do they do they sing and, and they are rejoicing and they are celebrating in these difficulties We know that rejoicing is possible. In fact, it's commanded in the midst of the difficulties we go through. What are we commanded to do? We're commanded to rejoice. You guys might remember, 2013, the Pharrell Williams song Happy, they came out with Despicable Me 2. So in Despicable Me 2, Gru has just had a really bad blind date with Shannon, it didn't go well, and so little Lucy comes over, and kisses grew on the, the cheek, and what happens? This happy song breaks out, and then we all sing it for the next year, like nonstop. It's, just, it's this song that in the midst of difficulty brings joy to people. And Paul says here, rejoice. Joy is a command. It is given to us no matter the circumstances in our lives. We are called to rejoice, and rejoicing is ongoing. It's not just something we do one time. We rejoice in an ongoing way. How do you do that? How is that even possible? Because we are called to rejoice in the Lord. Our joy comes because of who Jesus is and what he has done in the world. Don't forget, there are only two things that could ultimately steal your joy in the world, sin and death. Guess what? Jesus has overcome both of those. Sin and death are completely defeated in Christ. And so when we rejoice, we rejoice in the Lord knowing that he is where we find our stability. He is where we find our hope. He is where we find our peace. And so as believers, you can be going through the most difficult thing imaginable. And what is the command? The command is to rejoice in the Lord always. And then what comes out of that kind of life? Look at verse 5. What comes out of a a life where you're rejoicing in the Lord? It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I'm not crazy about that translation there of reasonableness. One, it's hard to say, and two, it's just not something we think about. I, I like the word gentleness there. I think gentleness is a really nice translation of that. Gentleness is how other people experience your joy in the Lord. Let me say that again. Gentleness is how other people experience your joy in the Lord. This word gentleness in verse 5, it's the opposite of bitterness or retaliation. If something happens to you that you demand your rights or you grow bitter, you try to retaliate against somebody, instead of doing that, Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Your joy is found in the Lord. Therefore, just be gentle and respectful and generous toward others even if they're treating you in a poor way. Don't let another person's bitterness and foolishness steal your joy. Teenagers, stop letting other people steal your joy. Senior adults, stop letting other people steal your joy. Your joy is in the Lord and when your joy is in the Lord, it flows over as a gentleness toward other people because you're not receiving your joy from them. Your joy is coming from the Lord, and you're able to turn around and be considerate and kind and respectful to people, even when they are being bitter and angry toward you. And what does he say about this? He says, why? Because the Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is near to you in your times of difficulty, and because the Lord is near in time to returning to make all things right. And so we are able to rejoice, and we are able to be gentle toward others. We want to experience God's peace in our lives so we can turn around and be peaceful to other people. Look at verse 6. How do we experience that peace? Well, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything might be a really hard phrase to hear. We, we need to be honest. This is one of those Bible verses that sometimes can make us feel like, oh, man, how, how in the world? Uh, those of us that, that really struggle with anxiety, uh, this last week, don't, don't preach a sermon about peace and <laughs> not being anxious about that because your life is guaranteed to be just overwhelmed by anxiety And I want to say this. We try to say this at Emmaus, and I want to be really careful about this. Medicine, the gift of good counseling... Those are good things from the Lord. Those those can be great gifts as you're battling against anxiety. And so this scripture right here is not saying that that you don't pursue the way of getting medical help when when that's needed or or finding good, good counseling. All of those things are able to kind of get you back to square one. They're able to give you a fighting chance. They get you back to that point. But those things can't change your heart. They are good gifts, but they're terrible gods. They're gifts that are able to point you back to Jesus, get you back to a place where you're able to have a fighting chance, and then you can hear those words, don't be anxious about anything. What does it mean, don't be anxious about anything? It means stop obsessing about things. Stop obsessively allowing worry to dominate your life. I think that's the key word, maybe, the word dominate, do not be anxious about anything, says, I'm not going to allow anything in this world to dominate my life with worry. Because we know, in a weird way, for some people, worry can almost be addicting. Like, if you don't have anything to be worried about, you feel weird. Like, you feel like something's wrong. And so we, we obsess over these things. They dominate our lives. And yet, God's word here says, don't be anxious about anything. How? How in the world can I not be anxious about something? But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. How are we able to overcome worry and anxiety in life? We turn to God in prayer. We thank him for the things that we have. We trust him with the things that we can't control. I want to share with you what this looks like in my own life. I'm not saying you have to do this, I'm not saying this works the same way for everyone, but I just wanna tell you what this looks like in my life. The greatest way I've found to experience casting my anxieties on the Lord, not being anxious about anything, is through using a prayer journal, writing out my prayers, writing out my anxieties. I don't know what it is about it, I can't explain it, I'm not saying there's anything magical involved, I can just tell you from personal experience when my life feels overwhelmed by anxiety, and I'm quite good at that actually, that's, what, that's a real, real talent of mine, is to feel overwhelmed by anxiety. When I get in those places, the thing that God uses in my life over and over and over again is writing out those anxieties, writing out those prayers to the Lord and just saying, Lord, you're gonna have to take these things. I know some of you in the room, that feels like a turnoff because it sounds like a diary and you're like, ah, I don't do diaries. This is not a diary. This is, God, here's my prayer journal. I can't control the things happening in my life. I feel overwhelmed by these things. I just need to give them to you. And there's something about writing them out. There's something about externalizing them that says, I'm not gonna hold on to that anymore. I can't hold on to that anymore. God, I have to give this to you. And so what I'm saying is, one of the things you may need to do this week is you may need to go to the store and buy a prayer journal. Just buy a journal and say, God, I am overwhelmed. I don't have peace in my life, I don't have peace in my marriage, I don't have peace in my home right now, I don't know what to do, and so I'm just gonna have to turn to you in prayer. Lord, you're gonna have to take this. And prayer journaling is one beautiful way to do that. Again, that may not be the way it works in your life, I understand that, but I just want to tell you what God's used in my own life. What comes out of that? Verse seven, verse seven, what comes out of that? And the peace of God, many of you have this verse memorized, you hold on to this verse, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many times in your life have you been going through something and there is no reason in that situation you should have peace, but you do? Someone would look into your life and say, why do you have peace? Why, Why do you have joy? And the only answer you can give that person is it's because of God. It's because I know he's in control because I'm trusting him through this situation. And God's peace will guard your heart and your mind because those attacks keep coming. Those attacks keep coming against your heart and your mind. And God is there guarding those things because he cares for you. So point number one, how do you have a peaceful heart? You look up. How do I have peace in my heart? I look up to God in prayer and praise. I praise God for who he is and what he's done. And when I praise God, it actually leads me to have peace with other people because I'm gentle and reasonable and kind and respectful. I'm not gonna let them steal my joy. So I'm gonna look up to God and praise and that's gonna lead to peace with others. And then I'm gonna look up to God in prayer and say, God, I, I can't handle this. I'm overwhelmed, I'm obsessing, I feel dominated by the situation, I can't hold on to it, you're gonna have to take it. And God, thank you that you can and thank you that you care. And when we give those things to the Lord in prayer, he brings peace in, into our own hearts in those moments. So point number one, how do I have a peaceful heart? I look up to God in prayer. All right, now let's go to the mind. Let's go to, go to the head, First eight. Verse eight says, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you ever struggle with overthinking? Uh, I know some of us in the room, we are world champion overthinkers. Like, this is, <laughs> this is your thing. Like, you're like, I, I understand this topic, oh, and I can connect with you on the topic of overthinking. John Acuff says, overthinking is when what you think gets in the way of what you want. Overthinking is when what you think gets in the way of what you want. So you want a peaceful, joyful life, but you can't get past what someone said to you five years ago. You just keep thinking about it and thinking about it, and it steals your peace and your joy. You want to have meaningful relationships, but you spend hours dissecting and replaying conversations and wondering why your talent in life is awkward social interactions. This is actually confession time for me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm using, you know, you, but this is a confession time. You want to get good sleep, but your brain is magically connected to your pillow so that when your head touches the pillow, every worry, every past mistake, every uncertainty about tomorrow comes crashing in. You want to drive down the road in peace, but your brain needs you to tap the steering wheel as you pass every other hash mark in the middle of the road, on the way down the road, nobody else. Anybody else? Okay, that's good. We overthink. And here's the reality. Rarely, rarely does anybody have trouble overthinking all the good things in life. Like, most of us don't obsess about the really happy moments, the really good moments. I'm so jealous of you that do that. Most of us overthink or obsess about the hard moments or the mistakes or the things that went wrong, and as we overthink those things, they begin to play over in our mind and begin to dominate our lives. And John Acuff, he has this concept related to overthinking that he connects to the idea of soundtracks. Maybe my favorite book I read in 2022 was Acuff's book called Soundtracks, where he talks about how we overcome this reality of negative overthinking. A soundtrack is a thought that plays on repeat in your minds. You know those songs that you get stuck in your head and they just won't go away? Uh, I looked up some lists this past week of the most common songs to get stuck in your head. Let's be honest, there is only one song that belongs at the top of that list. Yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome. Now you won't hear anything else that I say. No, dude, just one time, just play it one time. We'll never, <laughs> we'll never survive. Did you know that there is a, a, a hard metal version of Baby Shark that we found this morning? It is incredible, oh my goodness. This guy has covered all these songs in hard metal music, and it's pretty incredible. So we think about these soundtracks, these songs that get stuck in our head, and they play over and over, and guess what? They impact your mood, and your emotions, and your actions. Think of a, being a parent, and when you hear "Baby Shark," it impacts your mood and your emotions and, and what you want to do in, in life. We have these soundtracks. What do you do? What do you do when negative thoughts play over and over and over again in your mind? A.K.F. has three steps. This is his way of responding to those things. He has three steps that you do. You retire the old soundtracks. You replace them with new soundtracks. And then you just keep repeating those new soundtracks. So you have to figure out, what is this negative thought that's dominating my head? And he says to use three questions to figure this out. The thing that I'm thinking about all the time, number one, is it true? Like, it's what I'm thinking about, is it true based on God's word? Is it true based on reality? How many times have you thought about something that you thought somebody else thought about you and you found out it wasn't actually accurate? But it drove you crazy for years. You let that thought ruminate in your mind. So is it true? Is it helpful? The things that I think about, do they help me live the life that God's created me to live? And is it kind? Let's be honest. We say things to ourselves in our head that we would never say to a friend. And if you're not gonna say that to a friend, why are you saying it to yourself over and over again? It's not kind, it's not helpful, and it's not true. And so what we have to do is we have to identify those negative things that are dominating our thinking, and then we gotta say, I need to replace that with something that is true, that, that's based on God's word, and begin to repeat that. So how do you have a peaceful mind? How do you have peace in your head? You look in. How do you have peace in your heart? You look up. How do you have peace in your head? You look in and you begin to say, what old soundtracks, what thoughts that play in my head do I need to get rid of? And I'm not going to let you move too quickly past this, okay? Today, at lunch, you may need to sit down with someone and say, what soundtracks have been playing in my head? What, what have I been thinking about that dominates my thinking that frankly isn't helpful? You've been thinking about things that happened in your past. You've been thinking about things that happened at work. You've been thinking about broken relationships. You've been thinking about these things that just dominate your life. You say, I've gotta identify this, and then I've gotta replace it with something better. I need something based on God's word. I need God's Holy Spirit to give me something else to think about. I need a friend to step into my life and say, that is not a healthy way to think. And we're gonna replace that with something that's helpful and kind and good because we want you to live the life that God has called you to live. So we are gonna look up to God and praise and prayer, we're gonna look in and get rid of those thoughts that tear us up, that cause anxiety, and then finally, we're gonna look out. How do you have peaceful hands? You look out, verse nine. Verse nine says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Our emotions, our heart, and our thoughts, our head, drive our actions. What you think about and how you feel will impact the way you act, the things you do in the world. And we know that sometimes the reason we don't have peace in life is because we're not doing what God has called us to do. Sometimes the reason you don't have peace in life is because you're sitting on the sidelines. You're hanging back in fear. You're not living out your faith. And until we're doing what God has called us to do, we're never going to truly experience peace in life. Maybe God has called you to full-time ministry, and you have refused to go down that road, and you just can't find peace in your life, even though God has called you to give your life to that, and you've never gone down that road. Maybe God has called you to have a hard conversation with someone, and you just refuse to have the conversation. Like, I'm not going, to, I'm not gonna to talk to that person, I'm not going down that road. And God says, you're not ever going to truly have peace until you respond in faith and do what I've called you to do. Sometimes, when we don't have peace in life, it's because we haven't put our faith into action. We've been hanging back in fear, hanging back, not living by faith. Let me give you a couple of really easy ways to put your faith into action, okay? These are literal take-home application. All you have to do is do the right thing when you walk out the door, okay? These are put your faith into action this week. One way that you can do that is to grab one of those blue holiday bags, or they might be black this year, I can't remember, the, the holiday bags, and grab a shopping list, and our church is putting together holiday meal bags that we need you to bring back next Sunday, And then we're going to collect those bags, get them together, and they go out to our local public schools, they go out to senior adult living areas, they go out to uh, apartment complexes in the area. There's some incredible things we're able to do with those bags. And then on December 18th, right after we have our church-wide holiday lunch that day, we're going out to put our faith into action and to take those bags to people in need. So how can you put your faith into action? How can you live out? How can you have peaceful hands? pick up a bag, go shopping this week, put the items in there, bring it back next week, and then on the 18th, go with us and we'll, we'll take those out. And as we go out, we're looking for opportunities to invite people to Christmas. Maybe this year, the action you need to take is just to invite a neighbor to Christmas, just invite a friend to Christmas. And we've made it so easy for you that all you have to do is take one of the yard signs home. Just take a yard sign home, put it in your yard, and there's a good chance somebody will ask you about it. So we're going to show the love of Jesus, we're going to act it out by doing these holiday meal bags, and then we're going to speak about our faith by inviting someone to come to the Christmas Eve or Christmas Day service. We want to put our faith into action. Why? Because we want to point people to Jesus. Because we believe that at the end of the day, the only place that people will ever find peace is through Jesus. My favorite verse about peace in the Bible is Romans 5, 1, where we know that because we have been justified by faith, we've been made right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can you have peace in your heart? How can you have peace in your head? How can you have peace with your hands? The only way you will ever find that peace is through faith in Jesus Christ. That is where peace is found. That is where true joy is found. That is where hope is found. that that Jesus transforms our hearts, he gives us a new heart, he sets our mind on him, and he sends us out to live for him. And we have hope in this life and in life to come. And so if you're here this morning, I hope you go out and buy a prayer journal, I hope you'll put your faith into action, but what I really hope you will do is I hope you'll consider whether or not you've ever trusted in Jesus for salvation. Because it's possible, it's possible, that the lack of peace in your life is because you have never been made right with God through Jesus, and that is where peace is found. Don't miss that this Christmas. We look up, we have peace in our hearts because we live with prayer and praise. We look in, we're gonna get those bad soundtracks, that baby shark, we're gonna get that out of our head, and we're gonna think about the things of God, and then we're gonna go out with peaceful hands and say, God, I want to do what you called me to do because I believe that Jesus is worth it. Would you stand with me right now? We are going to end our service by having a responsive reading. I want you to leave today hearing the words about Jesus being our peace. I want you to hear those things, and I want you to speak those things, and then after we have this responsive reading time, I'm gonna pray over you, and after I pray over you, you're dismissed at that point, but that's also your opportunity to respond. If you have questions about faith, if you're hurting mentally or emotionally, you're in, a, you're in a really hard place in life, don't leave this room without finding someone to pray with you, and we'll be right down here at the front. So we're going to have this responsive reading. I'll read what's at the top in bold print, and if you'll respond by reading what's beneath it in the italics. So here, I'll start us off. Church. May we embrace in this season of Advent the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Jesus, You came, gentle and lowly, to be robed again in majesty. Jesus, Jesus, our rescue from the haunting pulse of anxiety, our freedom from quick relief and false remedy. you. you You quiet our often turbulent internal discourse. You restore our souls. Jesus, you dismantle hostility and tear the veil of enmity. Jesus, you are the lawn-for-keen, the welcome child in the manger. You are our comfort, our unity, our hope. Jesus, you are our peace in life, in death, and in eternity. Father, we declare those things together right now. God, we believe that true peace is found in Jesus. And Father, we know that we live in a world where so many of our friends, so many of our neighbors are are struggling. There's just no peace in their lives. And, And God, for many of us, everything might look good on the outside, but inside, we're struggling with anxiety. God, we are struggling with a lack of peace and a lack of hope. And so this Advent, God, remind us that peace is found through Jesus. God, let us live lives of praise and prayer. God, let us stop allowing other people to steal our joy in you. And God, that we would pour out our hearts in prayer to you, that we would replace those negative soundtracks, and God, that we would go out and put our faith into action. Father, let us be a church of peace. Let us be people of peace so we can share your peace with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.